Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Today in history in 1851, Harper and Brothers published Herman Melville's masterpiece, allegedly, Moby Dick. Welcome to What the Fuck History, where we discuss the wackiest and weirdest things that make us say, well, what the fuck history. My name is Zachary, and I'm going to do something I never, ever do tonight. And that's follow up on a story I said I'd talk about in a previous episode. Wow, that's crazy. My name is Megan, and tonight I'm not telling a depressing story. So don't pigeonhole me into, oh, Megan's going to tell a story. It's going to be so sad. And I'm Matt. Today I learned the man who made the first ever Xbox also revived an ancient Egyptian recipe for sourdough bread. Yum. I, I want to hear more about this I have bread. to credit Steve with this one because Steve and I will just send like... <laughs> Fuck yes, Steve. Steve and I will just send memes to each other in the wee hours of the night. Um, yeah. And As so he should. sent me this video uh, where a girl was talking about how the guy who made the first Xbox um, is also like an Egyptologist and he was on an excavation and discovered like an ancient recipe for sourdough bread. And so he made it. Um, and then she made some equivalency between, like, the logo of the Xbox and how it looks like most sourdough breads do. And she was like, this man just loves sourdough bread. And... Oh, I didn't, I would never even thought about that, but you're yeah, right. And so, uh, so that was kind of a cool thing. His name is Seamus Blackley, if you're interested and looking him up further, but hmm. yeah, he, he created the first Xbox, and he also uh, revived uh, thousands of years dead sourdough bread recipe. That's pretty cool. I didn't cool. even look up to see whether or not he thought it was good. I was just like, I just <laughs> looked it up to fact check to make sure that that was true, but like, I really should have looked up to see whether or not he thought it was a good recipe or not. So anyways, that happened. That's, that's it. it. That I love that. That's so fun. Like it's so yeah, dumb, I mean, but I love it. It's like, dumb and, and interesting. You're right. The Xbox logo does, it does look, look like, like a sourdough bread. Kind of slice a fucking sourdough yeah. bread. Yeah. It does look like a sourdough bread. Sourdough love a good sourdough. A solid bread choice. Yeah. Now I want yeah. some. Me too. I have Fuck. cookies though. That's I was fair. robbed of my ability to have toast. I have baklava. I was gonna make myself. <laughs> I was gonna make myself some eggs, eggs and toast. Ooh, eggs and toast. Eggs and toast. I was delicious. planning on poaching the eggs and having poached eggs on toast, but somebody somebody That's ate all the bread thing. and oh, okay. didn't Rude. bother to replenish our bread supply. So. Then I'm complaining about the fact that I don't have any bread to eat my poached eggs on. And everyone's like, well, yeah. you could take some bread out of the freezer. And I was like, I wasn't the one who did it in the first place. I'm going to fight the system. Yeah, I get that. So, but anyways, we have a podcast to record and we're going to start right now. Our strikes have been reset to zero and our fake game of rock, paper, scissors. That's entirely illusionary. Uh, has been played, and our order for tonight, design, decided by the stars, is uh, Megan, and then I'm going to go. And then Zach is going to bring up the rear. The caboose. caboose. So, Megan, the caboose. whenever you're ready. Okay. All right. Uh, so, the name of my story tonight is called Yasu. Okay, how did you get to Japan, though? Yes. Um, okay. And that will make more sense as as your stories later. so often do. I'm assuming that will make more sense. Later. 
Um, so I'm assuming that you all thought I was done with Japan, but here I am to tell you not Why would today. I have no comment. <laughs> um, so, if you're hoping for me to tell you that uh, Japan is like not really an old company, um, country and company, their company now, <laughs> I'm here to tell you that they are very, very old. Uh, and like, we have a lot to get through, is what I'm saying. So tonight, obviously, I'm going to be talking about Japan, um, and not just, like, a Japanese person or, like, the country in general, rather something that just, like, happened in it. So this is a story of a man named Yasuke, uh, and he's rumored to have been born in Mozambique and brought to Japan where he became a samurai. And like this is Tom sort Cruise of one of one the movie. only, just like Tom Cruise in that one movie. So this is like one of the only instances that we have, you know, an okay amount of evidence of a black man becoming a samurai in Japan. Um, there are f few documents that survive containing mentions of Yasuke, but he appears to be the oldest African to appear in J the Japanese historical record, and his stint in Japan was very short, just about three years from 1579 to 1582, and he was thought to be brought over by Jesuit missionaries. It's not clear whether he was a slave or a follower of the mission and also his name was not originally yasuke that's a name that was um given to him by the daimyo oda nobunaga uh he is one of the three great unifiers of japan but what we do know for sure is that in 1579 yasuke arrived in japan in the service of the Jesuit missionary Alessandro Veligna Velignano. I fucking hate his last name. Vagina. <laughs> Alessandro Vagina, that's his name. That's what we're going with. I'm so sorry, Steve. I know that you told me that I could just look these things up online before, but... No, here's... I like your... I here's what, here's what's right wild now. is that, like, Steve's gonna be like, this is how you actually pronounce it, but vagina also works. Steve's just yeah, so supportive. I mean, let's... He truly... He truly is. Let's see. Hold on. Here's pronunciation. Pronunciation. It's gonna be like... How to pronounce... No, nope, it doesn't thing. give okay. me a short YouTube I need, video. I need to I'm not into it. To a few weeks ago, Zach was telling a story, and yeah. he was like, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing any of this right. And I was like, the audience won't care as long as you say it with confidence. And then he went into every mm -hmm. pronunciation with confidence. So, like, and you worked. could just proclaim this man's last name, and there's a 80% chance you're wrong, but at least you were confident about it. His last name's now Vagina. Deal with it. Alessandro Vagina. And so that was his name. Yeah. He was Italian, obviously. <laughs> uh, in 1581, Alessandro met with Oda Nobunaga, who was considered to be the most powerful man in Japan because he... And, and he, he met with Nobunaga because he wanted the Jesuit mission to succeed in the country. And he brought Yasuke with him, and the Japanese were curious... Most of them had never seen a dark-skinned person in their lives, and wherever Yasuke went, there were crowds. Um, not just because of his skin color, but, like, he was so much taller than mm. the average Japanese person. He was over six feet yeah. tall and built. Yeah. I mean, like, that's no different that than draw how stairs today. a Japanese, like, crowd would react to a six-foot person now today yeah i yeah. think if you're over if you're like, over six feet to any capacity the japanese still at least from sources i've seen still kind of look at that like damn he's tall they're like holy shit you're so tall um i mean also like 
if I see someone who's over six feet tall in America, like, it's a little bit more common, but I'm still like, Jesus yeah. Christ, like, yeah, how is the weather up there? Um, <laughs> so, like I said, wherever he went, there were crowds, and rumors of him spread throughout Kyoto before the party arrived. Like, before he got to towns, people were just like, yo, that tall guy, he's coming. He'll come. And, um... Oh, he, oh, oh he's, he's coming. And because these rumors were preceding him, crowds exceeding a thousand people would flock to where he was yeah. staying, which not great, but also they're like, bring the tall man out, <laughs> bring him. Um, the missionaries that Yasuke was traveling with were scared. Uh, that the building they were staying in would be destroyed. And some of the Japanese people who were in the crowd were crushed to death and injured in their enthusiasm. Imagine wanting to, like, about seeing this man. go see a person and dying because of that. Like, just a guy. Just a like, dude. Not even not, Post Malone. Not even like, Post Malone. <laughs> uh, is Post Malone, like, Post the pinnacle Malone. for you? It's is not that the even... guy that you would get crushed seeing? It was like the only guy I could think of. That's, it's wild <laughs> that your brain went to post Malone. <laughs> I just, I don't know. That, I just like, was just like, oh yeah, people would. The love of your would... life is Ronald Reagan, and we all know it. Oh God. You're right. I'm sure people got absolutely crushed by Ronald Re No, wait, yeah. for Ronald Reagan? Both, both are applicable. Um, so, they're crushed to death. And... The upheaval died down when Nobunaga sent in his troops, though. He was just like, listen, I don't know what's happening, but you need to bring me whatever is causing the ruckus. Like, Nobunaga wanted to know the identity of the man who had caused people to, like, absolutely lose their minds. And ruckus? so he ordered his men... Sorry, that's just my favorite line <laughs> the ruckus? from The Breakfast Club. There's like oh, a whole scene yeah. where it's well, like, I heard that's what a he ruckus, said. He was... and one of the characters goes, can you describe Could this ruckus? Could you describe this ruckus? Yeah, and people are like, it's this guy, and they brought it to him. They brought they brought this man to Nobunaga, and was just like, this is the guy responsible for the ruckus. He's, he hasn't done He's anything. He's just existing, but everyone's but freaking he out about it. Everyone's absolutely losing their minds. So... At this point, the Japanese records describe Yasuke as having the blackness of a bull and a healthy and fine physique. He also has the strength of ten men. Ten and small men, I suppose. I want to say, like, <laughs> men back then, what did they have to lift? Because we've heard, Literally yeah, everything. but we've heard, like, We've heard of a lot of people that had the strength of ten men, and it's just like, how strong were the men back then, truly? Mm. I don't know. What are I we mean, comparing it to? Yeah, how many... I, have, I literally have men? no idea. What can ten men lift? What is... Are, are we talking about ten child-sized men? Were they child-sized men? Because... I mean, they must have been compared to this... I don't know. This gentleman. If if mm. his if his well, if his presence alone was enough to get people crushed in the streets just for taking a peek at him. Okay, but like I also feel like there's this whole thing where it's like you like there, this man is described as larger than life because like that's kind of just how it gets. Oh, so you think this is sort of like a Paul Bunyan esque like yeah, this is just, like, it, it just it, becomes like, a part like... of his legend. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. Uh, because I mean, like, yeah. you're also talking about this person who's like out of place in this world. Yeah. That's true. I mean, it's probably a lot of like, like word of mouth too, where it's just like he's a giant, and yeah. he's they're like, "Yo, I saw this guy ripped, and he can." I saw this man like absolutely he can rip a man house. in half with yeah. his bare hands. So it's definitely, I feel like it's definitely one of those things where it's like, yeah, probably some of the stuff that is said about him is true. Like, he's probably a bigger than other people, but like, 
Yeah, it's. I feel like it's like also like when we were talking about like Maximinius Thrax. Yeah. Where like they were like, oh yeah, he oh, could yeah, wife, yeah. wear his wife's bracelet as a thumb ring. Like it was. You know. Yeah. Well, okay. So it's just. It gets blown out of proportion. It's just one of those things that everyone says about a person that's bigger than they are. That's true. It's flattering, it? I suppose. Yeah. You're like, thanks. I I am as strong as ten men. I don't know. Listen, as someone who relies on like, like people see me and they don't, they're not mean to me because I look mean. Yeah. Sometimes, yeah. like the your best defense yeah, is an true. assumption. True. Mm. So like. If people aren't going to mess with you because they think, like, Have the strength you of ten men. are as strong yeah. as ten men. You. Yeah, you That's might as great. well use that like, to your thanks. advantage. You ought to. Yeah, for sure. Okay, we've talked about this long yeah. enough. So, besides, like, have, being that strong, Nobunaga also didn't believe anyone could actually be this black. Like, he thought it was ink. And demanded that he see water put on Yasuke, which obviously yeah. didn't fucking work. Um, and after that, he was just like, all right, didn't work. Um, so that's who you are. And then Nobunaga is just like, I like you, Yasuke. And he asked Alessandro to release him from whatever service he had to the Jesuits. And, like, asked Yasuke, like, if he wanted to serve him and Yasuke apparently said yes and so Nobunaga made the man a retainer and he received a stipend a dagger and a house so Yasuke got I he got a like great deal um yeah he right. was just like here's a stipend a dagger and a house and here's my sword because he also carried Nobunaga's sword um and he also, uh, and at this point, like, Yasuke was learning Japanese, and Nobunaga gave him free reign around Kyoto, Kyoto protected him, and speculated that, he, uh, and some people speculated that Nobunaga would make Yasuke a lord, um, which was crazy. Like, this guy Simply was unknown, unheard. and Nobunaga was like, it was like unheard of. Hey, you want to um, be a lord? Like, fuck it, why not? <laughs> yeah, fuck it, why not? Uh, like, it didn't really make up for the whole, like, are you covered in ink or is that just you thing, but, like, we're getting there. I just love that the qualifications so, the for next that. Time, like, uh, so, presumably, there were lords before Yasuke came on the scene, and they were like, I had to go through all these steps yeah. to become a lord. And then they're looking at this guy who just waltzed yeah, in, and they're hearing rumors that he might become a lord, and it's like, all he is is tall. <laughs> he's just, he's just, just, a, just a big dude. There's what? When was the qualification only? <laughs> yeah, right. I would have been on stilts. I would have been stilts a week I ago. I so fucking fat for this. <laughs> I would have eaten so much more okay, food. Okay, so. Yeah. You joke, but there were times when I was in China where I just ended up on the front page of the newspaper, not because I had done anything, but because I was sitting there and I was white. <laughs> like, like, there were times when people, like, the other Chinese teachers would come up to me and be like, oh, so you went to that conference, you're on the front page, and it's like, I was literally just sitting there disassociating. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't do anything. So, like, I get I get where Yasuke is coming from. Um, so then the next time Yasuke appears in the historical records is around 1582, as he was accompanying Nobunaga on a victory tour uh, after absolutely annihilating one of Nobunaga's arch enemies. And in the same year, Nobunaga was betrayed and attacked by one of his senior vassals, and it resulted in his death. Uh, Yasuke was injured and eventually sent to Jesuit missionaries to be taken care of. Um, it is certain that he didn't die, but it is not clear what happened to him after this. Uh, obviously, there are rumors. It's hard to be a six-foot-tall black man in 1500s Japan without people yeah. noticing you. Yeah. Uh, so in, <laughs> like, you know, it's just, it's hard to blend in. 
Um, so in 1584, there's a battle, and it's reported a black man was seen operating two cannons. So oh, people yeah. are like, at is that Yasuke? Um, yeah, two, oh, yeah, two cannons at the same time. Only a man with the strength Only of ten men Only a man with the strength that, of so. ten men. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so then in 16, uh, 1604, um, there was a painting done that depicts another dark-skinned man in the presence of uh, noble samurai. Then uh, there's an ink stone box made in the 1590s that depicts a black man wearing high-class clothing as he doesn't appear to be, like, subservient to anyone else in the tableau. And overall, we don't know if any of these uh, instances actually depict Yasuke, but his presence in Japan and the position he came came to occupy is one that is pretty unusual for really any foreigner at the time in Japan. This is right before... Japan closes itself off um, to the rest of the world for three centuries of isolation during the shogunate. So the fact that like anyone who is not Japanese is sort of like making a name for themselves within the hierarchy of Japan is a little bit crazy. Yeah. But anyway, so that was my story. I thought it was cool because, like, you really don't hear about foreigners becoming yeah, samurai. Except for that one Tom Cruise. Other no. than Tom Cruise. <laughs> we yeah. keep going back to that. I don't know if that's historically it was. accurate, is it? I mean, it like, oh, there are shit. some things that I think were conflated, obviously, for... Oh yeah, yeah. White white guy, it, white there guy was, becomes I'm samurai. That it's based on at least partially based on a true story, but I could be wrong. This will this will be uh. me finding out that Tom Cruise lied about the whole thing. Again's looking it up right <laughs> Tom now. Cruise white guy becomes. I'm looking it up. Mm, is it this guy? Wait, hang on. Maybe. Oh, yeah, I guess it was... No, that's not true. Anyway. Uh, I'll, What's I'll the last looking. samurai based on true events? The movie chronicles a real-life Japanese rebellion from the 19th century, but fictionalizes seminal, several historical events and people. Um, was the Battle of Shim- Shimonoseki? I don't know. The last samurai's timeline anyway, is Anyway, tell your story. I'm going to keep this looking. has to happen now. Um, <laughs> I gotta know. The last samurai. According to historians, the costumes and overall production is spot on. What the fuck? Oh, that's huh. good. Maybe I'll tell this story uh, in a future podcast episode. Yeah, I know. How I'd rude be taking of you. Your shtick. And I'm doing it again right now. Um, here's the deal, guys, audience, listeners, friends. Compatriots, if we could call you that. Uh, Comrade, if you want to go that far. Or if you're from Russia. Uh, We recorded once in October. Um, We goofed it up schedule-wise when it came to October recordings. Uh, And so, therefore, I feel robbed of having been able to tell some spooky stories. And so today, I'm going to do a spooky story... I had a stroke just then. Uh, I'm fine now. I'm better. Uh, So today I'm doing a spooky story because you can't stop me and neither can my co-hosts. So this story takes place in Valeska, Iowa. Uh, And... The great spooky place of Iowa. The great spooky... Oh, yeah. Well... Listen, it's it has so much corn. Yes, but it is also not the site of the children of the corn story. Mm. Although it is possible that corn children exist in Iowa. Corn children. Corn children. The children, children of the corn. Made the corn of stocks. Stocks. Um So anyways, it's Valeska guys. My brain, not working. Uh, Valicia, Iowa. The night is June 9th. 
the year of our Lord is 1912. Um, this story involves a gentleman by the name of Josiah Moore, uh, as well as his wife, Sarah, their four children, Herman, Catherine, Boyd, and Paul, and two girls that were staying the night with them, Lena Stillinger and Ina Stillinger. Um, Josiah was a prominent town businessman, and he was also heavily involved in his local Presbyterian church. And on the night in question, the Moore family, along with their young guests, had been attending a church function until about 10 p.m., and after the church function, they went home. On that night, a little after midnight, um, an intruder broke into the house and brutally murdered everybody inside. Oh, oh no! Oh, no! Um, yeah, so uh, the neighbors became suspicious when they didn't see the family engaging in their morning routines uh, the next day. So a neighbor walked over and, like, let their chickens out to, you know, begin grazing. Uh, they tried to open the doors, but the doors were locked. Um, they tried knocking on the door. They tried calling the house. No response. And so they reached out to Josiah's brother, and he came over. He tried the same things, knocking on the door, uh, phoning the family, um, and unfortunately was unsuccessful in reaching anybody. Uh, they eventually called the town marshal, um, who came in and, you know, did all the same things, knocked on the door, tried to hoot and holler, uh, but he eventually broke into the house and discovered, um, the gruesome scene. And when, <laughs> when he, uh, when he emerged from the house, he said to, um, someone else who was there at the time that there had been a person murdered in every bed in the house. Um, Jeez. Neighbors had not heard any cries for help in the night, and none of the bodies looked to have any defensive wounds except for Lena Stillinger, uh, who had been found, quote, lying crossways on the bed. Um, which just meant that, you know, she had tried to escape. Um, but other than that, everyone else, they assume, had been asleep uh, through their murder. So I guess that's, you know, small miracles. Um, especially when you consider how young everyone in this story is. So like the the six yeah. the six victims or six of the victims are children. So like it's really kind of it's yeah. good to know that they didn't nerds um, except for one of them. That's true. Um, but yeah, I said uh, I did describe it as a particularly brutal or gruesome scene because while I was doing research on this story. Um, they said that Josiah's face had been bludgeoned so completely that they weren't even able to find his eyes. Oh, jeez. Uh, I did say bludgeoned because despite the fact that the murder weapon was an axe, the sharp edge of the axe was not used on anyone in the building except for Sarah. All of the rest of the murders were committed with the blunt edge of the axe. So, um, based on like blood patterns, they the killer started in the parents' bedroom, killed Josiah, and he was swinging he or she. I mean, they assume that it's a male, but uh, the murderer had swung the axe with such ferocity that there were cuts in the ceiling. So, like, him swinging oh that high up. Um, so he kills Josiah, then he kills Sarah, then he goes to their children's room and kills all their children, then he goes back to Josiah and Sarah's room to continue like... bludgeoning Josiah, then he goes to the Stillinger girl's room and kills them. 
Is he just like a juggernaut? Like, Jesus. And they say that like Josiah got wailed on something fierce. Um, but the other. Huh? If I was in Criminal Minds, if I was yeah. in Criminal Minds, it would be like the victim yeah, yeah, media yeah. assailant. Yeah. Um, I mean, well, so the. Maybe it's because I've just been playing more Fallout 4. <laughs> All my brain is thinking of is hacking and whacking and smacking, chopping yeah. at me. Like, um, they yo. say that they found two cigarettes in the attic. So all signs point to this person had just been in their attic laying in wait for them to come home from a church function. Oh, uh, never mind. Not the axe that he had used had been one that he found in their backyard. Um, but what made this scene a little bit more weird is... Um, it wasn't weird I mean, already. no, it was super weird. But... but the axe was left out in plain sight. It was leaned up against a wall. And next to it was a four-pound slab of bacon that what? served no purpose, truthfully. Um, all of the drawers in the house had been rifled sl- through for articles of clothing that were used to cover the mirrors. So, like, a kitchen apron... Um, used to cover the mirrors in the house and then there was uh i can't remember what article of clothing was used to cover the um sort of like the the doorway window the um to the entrance of the house the window was covered so nobody could see interesting um but along with that, there was also an uneaten plate of breakfast in the kitchen, and next to the uneaten plate of breakfast was a bloody bowl of water. Um, and then, as I mentioned, upon further, you know, exploration of the house, they did find two cigarettes in the attic. Um, but... There's no... This was never solved. This is an unsolved murder. Okay. Um, I mean, what year was this again? It was 1912. Okay, like... Yeah, forensics ain't that great. (laughs) What do you mean not that great? Doesn't exist Doesn't exist? You got one guy called Gumshoe Jim Bop, and he comes in, and he's just like, hmm... I don't know who. They're dead. I don't know who did <laughs> these right. murders. It should have, might have been. in, boys. Jimmy. It could have been Jimmy Tushus. So essentially, yeah. they do go through the process of trying to find. Um, they go through the process of trying to find someone who killed this family, and they start with all the like transients that had been wandering through town at the time. Mm. Uh. It's It's always always somebody who's just passing by. Um, But the three most likely candidates in this murder end up being a gentleman, uh, a reverend by the name of George Kelly. Um, Yeah. A reverend? A man of God. A man of God? That makes sense. There's also a gentleman gentleman by the name of William Mansfield. And then other Uh, research uh, has led to... Um, a guy named Paul Miller, uh, or Mueller, I think is how that's. Oh, okay. So the man named Manderson. Man named what? That's what that sounds like. <laughs> just like you just said the most generic yeah. man's name ever. They're that like guy, that Paul guy. Miller. Paul Blart Malkoff. Yeah, that's a generic. Name. Um. So Paul Blart Malkoff. So George. Paul Blart, Mall Murderer. George Kelly was... <laughs> Mall Murderer? <laughs> George Kelly was George a reverend. George Kelly was. Um, and he... Uh, he had hitched a ride on a train the day uh, immediately after the murder, so the 10th. And while he was on the train, he was talking to another passenger of the train about eight souls who had um, died in Villisca. 
Um, and he had said that he had been praying for their souls. And that got people's attention. Uh, however, the problem is that he had, like, a long history and a well-documented history of mental health issues. Um, so when he got arrested and tried for the murders, the people on the jury were like, we're not sure that this guy could actually kill people because he's a little bit simple. Um, and so he, he ends up getting acquitted of that crime, uh, twice. They charge him two separate times and he gets, uh... The case gets dismissed. I don't think we, I don't think we can arrest yeah. this guy. All right, let him go. But wait, what if, what if we, we arrest, arrest this guy? guy? Yeah, the first time it got acquitted, and then the second time there was, or no, the first time there was like a hung jury, and so they retried him because the law states that you can do that. And then the second time he was acquitted. Um, the okay. other man, William Mansfield, was the target of an investigator by the name of James. Can you calm down back there? Jesus. Uh, target of a man named James Newton Wilkerson. And, what a and name. this investigator had thought that William Mansfield was responsible for a stretch of murders, but Mansfield had an alibi uh, for uh. a number of them that he was accused of. And this process went on so long with this investigator that Mansfield ended up suing Wilkerson for slander, and he won, like, $2,200. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Third person, yeah, back then. Imagine what it is in 2020 money. I know. Uh, A lot. Oh, God, we can't even do the math. It's incalculable. Um, But then the last person... uh, He's most likely, but was never tried. I think he ended up getting arrested for different murders. But uh, Paul uh, Miller Mueller, um, he was an in- he was an immigrant that came from uh, Germany, and he used to travel by train. So he would jump from train to train. Okay, but he was. Um, he was essentially a serial killer. He would travel from town to town, uh, and his uh, taking trains, murdering yeah, people. Got taking it. trains, murdering people. His mo was using the blunt side Classic. of an axe. Um, he would cover the bodies with sheets so that their blood spatter wouldn't go everywhere, and he would also cover uh, mirrors and like windows, like, just like Dexter. But. I mean, that sounds like yeah, the guy. Yeah, it does guy. sound like the guy, but he also, and he would also it walk sounds with the, like the exiting, guy. he would leave the murder weapon out in plain sight. Um, but in my research, I did not see anything where he confessed to the murders, and I'm not sure, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know if. Like, he's definitely responsible for other murders in the surrounding areas, and his M.O., is like he would attack towns that were close to the train, and as I said, 
um, Reverend George Kelly had left town via train, so, like, this was close to a train. Yeah. So, Paul uh, Miller is pretty much the the closest they have to a... Suspect. Yeah, he's his the closest to a real deal suspect in this case, but, I mean, as of now, 2023, no one's officially been you know, charged, like, no one was ever officially charged for that crime and brought to justice for this specific set of moides. Huh. So. Well, I guess the murderer walks free a hundred fucking years later. Story. It was 1912. Of course he was always going to walk of our free. Lord, 1912. <laughs> like, and we don't have DNA the machines. They- couldn't even, they couldn't even see a fucking iceberg well, from the Titanic. Well, to be fair, the, <laughs> you know? the binoculars were locked in a, in a chest. In yep. case, in case anybody we, yep. didn't know that, today you learned that the reason that yeah, the Titanic did not see the iceberg in time to do anything about it is because the binoculars that they would have used for such a task were locked in the captain's, like, lockbox. And nobody got them out. Well, that's dumb Even though they were driving at night. We'll keep those safe out of everyone's way. So. We don't want people to trip Yeah, but I wanted to tell a spooky story because I felt like I got robbed by our schedules. Fair enough. Fair enough. You're like Roanoke, Roanoke wasn't, wasn't spooky. spooky, and like I, yeah, it was just a guy. It was a guy with that planning. left for three years and was like, "I wonder if my Neopets are okay." <laughs> what I mean, <laughs> pretty so much. Like, what what better to I, you know scare the audience? I, my Neopets, my family. What better way to scare the audience than to tell them about you know? Six children and two parents Moida. that got brutally murdered by an axe. Fair enough. Well, I'm gonna take away and not talk about murder. I'm gonna talk about something else I mean, done instead. How's that sound? That sounds great. Um, the audience will probably like as I that said, as like a breath of fresh air as well. <laughs> Yeah, breath of fresh air. Uh, well, I did say in my intro that I'm going to cover something that I previously said, hey, I should talk about this because, you know, well, every now and then I should be true to my word. Just every, every now so and often. then, not all the time. Every so often. Sometimes. <laughs> I got to keep it mysterious, you know? Um, and you don't have to really wait long for my follow-up because I was feeling kind of lazy, and the first tab I pulled up for notes today, which I finished five minutes before we started recording, was uh, on a guy that I talked about in the Halloween episode, so enjoy the fruits of my procrastination. Tonight, we will be discussing the wonderfully named Jorgen Jorgensen. Jorgen! Jorgen! Although every time I hear like Jorgen. read his name or hear his name, all I can think of is Jorgen fucking von Jorgen von Strangle, Strangle from but, <laughs> Timmy but Turner. But to be fair, like every time I hear the word tonight recently, all I can think about is tonight will be the night that I will fall for you. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I never, don't appreciate no. that I'm in that rabbit hole. But like you said tonight, where are you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Where are you? I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. I, yeah. So, tonight I'm going to be talking about Jorgen Jorgensen. Um, because, man, I like, I, I, not only did I pull up the hib as, like, my first research tab, but also his story is so fucking bananas that I feel like it's just, I want to tell it before I forget to. When's the you know? describe it as That's fair. A-N-A-N-A-S. Yes. Um, so Jorgensen was a Danish adventurer in the early to mid-1800s, or as some might call it, the Age of Revolution. Because, well... Ev- oh, is that is that what some's calling it? That's what some people call it, the Age of Revolution, uh, as scholars might say. And that's just because everybody do be revolting in Europe and the Americas at this point, which, pin that note, it is important for later... Oh. 
It's a mouse control. It's a mouse control. We'll use for later. Later. <laughs> so uh, Jorgen was born as the second oldest son to the royal watchmaker of uh, the Danish do you, monarch. Do you ever uh, think? I'm sorry and, to interrupt because we've been doing a we've been doing a fair amount of interrupting tonight. But do you ever think how fucking cool it would be to be so good at something? That you become, <laughs> like, the king's personal watchmaker, or the, like, the baron, yeah, or, like, like the dope. town governor, and it's just like, this guy's so fucking good at making watches. I have decided that I will mm-hmm, buy no, no um, other watch but one f- made by this guy. Yeah. You're, like, the anime protagonist yeah. of watchmaking. With pink hair and everything? Yeah. Like, whole shows are... Yeah, like whole shows are made about you. Like like whole manga series Look, like if they, I'm the king's watchmaker. If they can make an entire anime about a swim team, they can make and then it about you just a watchmaker. See, like, you Listen, see a cut they can, to him being like, Oh no, the spring is broken and I have to deliver this watch by two thirty and it's two twenty five. It's we don't uh, know because the, the, watch time, because the watch is broken. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, no. But I'm sorry. I'm just thinking it's so fucking Um, cool that people like back in the day used to be so good at their job that the king would just be like, I like you. I'm gonna I like you, you're mine. I'm gonna use your products forever. Yeah. Um so Jorgen was the second oldest son to the royal watchmaker, whose name was Jürgen Jürgensen. Of course. Because of course. Of course. I am Jürgen, son of Jürgen. So well, so, yeah, so his, he changed his name from, your, his birth name from Jorgensen to Jorgensen, yeah. because I he wanted Jorgen Jorgensen, yeah. but yeah, his dad was Jorgen Jorgensen. I'm Jorgen Jorgensen, son of Jorgen Jorgensen. Exactly. Ridiculous. Yeah, it's just bananas. Um... But I don't know how that's, else to say it. Like I'm a that's little bit flabbergasted. Exactly, it's out of the podcast where we just have minutes of dead air where we're just like, yeah, this guy's name was weird. It was like a second. It was a second, but it felt like um, So, at the ripe old age of fifteen, <laughs> um, Jorgen finishes school and becomes the apprentice apprentice to Captain Henry Marwood, who was a British sailor in the British Navy. Um... And in 1799, Jorgen and Henry sailed to Cape Town and then Port Jackson, which was the newest uh, cities in the wonderful colony of Australia. Uh, And Cape Town and Port Jackson sound pretty familiar from what I talked about in the Halloween episode. Uh, Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yep. And... So he, like, kind of hangs out in Australia for a bit, and then 1801 rolls around, and Jorgen joins the uh, vessel, the Lady Nelson, where he sails around and basically just founds a bunch of towns in, uh, like, Australia, including Tasmania and Hobart. So, like, nothing special, just founding a bunch of places. But the... Wackiness of Jorgen Jorgensen doesn't really ramp up until about 1807. Uh, and boy, does it fucking ramp up. As it often so does. In eight, as it often does. It's always like a normal thing until it's just, oh my god, this is not a that's normal thing. That's literally every... That's the reason for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Oh, this is a normal life. Oh god, no. What have yeah. we done? Uh, so, in 1807, Jorgen is visiting his family, and he witnesses the Battle of Copenhagen, uh, and is subsequently like, hey, I want to do my part, and is given command of the Danish vessel, Admiral Joulet. And he uses this vessel to fight the British, you know, the British he once used to work for, because fuck it, why not, if my name isn't Jorgen Jorgensen? <laughs> My name isn't. <laughs> so, the Admiral Joulet starts the naval battle with the HMS Sappho, and it goes really poorly for Jorgen and the Joulet, and Jorgen is taken prisoner after the boat is sunk, 
and he is treated as a privateer by the British government. But since he had kind of good standings with the British, they basically just parole him and brush him off. Like, it's Jorgen being Jorgen, guys. I don't know. What do you want? Just guys and being dudes. Just guys being just dudes. Just guys being dudes. And he takes his paroled ash to the... His, yeah, Jorgen takes his paroled ass to the British, British government and is like, Hey, why don't we... Hey. Fill a ship with merchant goods and sail why on don't over we? to Iceland because they're suffering from food shortages and I'm ready to make hella cash money. I don't know about you. How'd that go? Because apparently... Well, so that's the thing. Jorgen was Danish. (laughs) Jorgen was Danish, but he spent so much time in England that he got all about that bread making. Uh, And so Jorgen takes his first voyage to Iceland, and it is a total fucking bust because the Danish have a monopoly on trade to Iceland. And since it's a British merchant ship, they're like, "Uh, yeah, no pip pip cheerio goods in here, mates. Fuck off. And they're like, that's a little stereotypical, but go on. <laughs> well, so the other thing is, like, at this time, uh, England and Ireland are fighting the Swedes and the Danes at the same fucking time. It's like this four, it's like, it's a two-way war, but with four parties. So, like, the British government and the Danish government are, like, at each other's necks. So I don't know why Jorgen was like, I could pull up in a British ship and sell a bunch of goods and it'll be Okay. <laughs> He had confidence. Like, he had confidence that he was like, I'm Dutch, I'm sailing for the British, but I'm Dutch. They'll let me peddle British goods here, right? No. Surely. But undeterred as ever, Jorgen jumps on a second voyage and once again is turned away. Uh, But then he remembers, oh, hey... Everyone else has such a fucking hard-on for revolution, so let's go fuck Iceland, everyone. Hasn't Iceland been through enough? Well, Jorgen and all of his shipmates go find the governor of Iceland, one Count of Trompe, and Jorgen arrests him, throws him in jail, and declares himself protector of Iceland. Wow. He declares himself protector of Iceland when he's going. That's to my fuck thought up too. Is like I'm protecting Iceland from me, from myself, from me. Yeah. I am Iceland's biggest threat. Well, so the whole thing was so Jorgen declares himself protector of Iceland on the 26th of June, 1809, and his whole thought process was that Iceland was under Danish rule. Yeah, um, it was basically a Danish colony at this point. And so Jorgen was like, I'm going to be protector of Iceland. And as soon as you guys are able to govern yourselves, we'll reinstate Althing, which is the Icelandic national government, like their governing body. Think of our Congress. I guess that's the best way I can put it. I could be totally wrong, but like from my brief research. Um, so he's like, I'll absolutely reinstate a Icelandic government that runs Iceland. But until that happens, I'm running the show because we can't just like transition from, hi, you're a Danish colony to you run yourselves. That's not going to go well. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, he basically was like, I'll reinstate all thing as soon as I determine that you can handle governing yourselves. I want to make this like the United States. But we all know how that turned out. So I guess, fuck Jorgen, what do you know? Not much. However... His protectorate of Iceland does not last long because on the 22nd of August, 1809, two months later, the Danish government comes back and fucking kicks Jorgen out and is like, the fuck, dude? And it once again becomes a Danish colony. Yeah, Yeah, classic. In a moment of weirdness, because I guess even though the Danish are at war with the British, they still feel like doing weird things, they send Jorgen back to England, where he is tried and found guilty of breaking his parole and is jailed immediately. As he so deserves. And As he so deserves for deciding that he wanted to run a country himself, uh, after failing to be a good salesman. 
I just think it's... I, it's, I still not... think that the best part of this story is when he declares himself the protector of Iceland. Yeah. That is the best part of this just, story. He's just like, I'm going to fuck up Iceland. He's like, I'm just gonna... I'm I will protect you, you Iceland. Me. I'm protecting you. Why do you make me do oh, this? Iceland. Why do you make me do this? Yeah. Iceland, why, why do you, you make, make me, do me this, attack Iceland? you? Uh, and Iceland, you've been sitting here. You're up in the tearing Arctic me circle, apart, Iceland. Minding your own goddamn business. Iceland, you're tearing me apart. Oh, hey, Mark. <laughs> oh, hi, Mark. Um, you would think that this is where Jorgensen's story ends, uh, but he's a man of means, <laughs> and he means he's to a man do of more means. terrible things. Uh, and so he is. Uh, let out of jail in 1811 after three years of uh, jail time. And he spends most of his time after being released in London, where he basically just gets pissed drunk off of his ass and gambles a ton. And he racks up so much debt that it would make the Colonel Tom Parker blush. Dang. So... After racking up a bunch of debt and getting a bunch of drunken disorderlies, he once again is thrown in jail, uh, where he doesn't stay for very long, and then he tra gets out and travels to Spain and Portugal and Gibraltar, and after a little bit of travel, he goes, I'm refreshed. Time to come back to merry old England, where his debtors are waiting for him and throw him <laughs> right back into jail. <laughs> Hey guys. <laughs> no. It's like he comes home to England with his arms open wide and he goes, Oh, my debtors! And they're like, Hey. The consequences of my you. own actions. <laughs> Literally, it's like, Jorgen, you can't run away from your problems forever. He's like, No, but watch uh, me try. Jorgen, you're not the real protector. Watch me try. However, uh, fortune favors the bold and Jorgen convinces the British Foreign Office to release him from jail and instate him as a spy in Germany and France during the end of the Napoleonic Wars. Oh. This is crazy. <laughs> because why not? Uh, Jorgensen witnessed the Battle of Waterloo. He was never involved, but he was he witnessed well, he it. He had popcorn. He had popcorn. And a front row um, seat. <laughs> pretty much. He literally was like, I'm just going to watch this thing unfold. Um... He returns to England after his stint as a spy uh, and writes a bunch of reports and papers and articles and basically just does a little bit of writing until he is accused of theft in 1820 and is subsequently imprisoned, released, and sent back <laughs> after he failed to leave England. I love that this guy's story is literally just like, went to prison, got out, <laughs> did a little bit of a walkabout. <laughs> Got in a fight with the country. <laughs> went to, went prison. to prison. Did a bit of a walkabout. Got out. Went traveling. Yeah, I mean, you got to take a break, yeah. you know. So he, yeah, he he is accused of theft and he gets insta gets sent to prison, and upon his release, part of the like uh part of the a condition of his parole was that he was supposed to leave Britain. And he was just like, nah, man, I like it here. And so they sent him back to prison because he didn't leave. Nice. Um, I like it here. I like I'm it not here. Leaving. I'm staying. Um, he was supposed to get executed. But instead, he had like a, a fancy ass friend who said, we're like, no, but we're just going to send him, him on. <laughs> yeah, his friend was like, all right, we're going to send him on transportation as opposed to execution which if you're not familiar sometimes if you were given a, a sentence of death in england yeah. back in the colonial times you would instead be sent to transportation where you were shipped off to one of the colonies to basically be their fucking problem mm -hmm. and so he jorgensen is sent to transportation to australia and he is back in australia by 1825 and he arrives back in Tasmania by 1826. He basically fucks around Tasmania for a little while, helping prevent circulation of forged treasury bills, um, petitioning, uh, having someone petition for him a, a ticket of leave so he could actually get off of fucking Australia and, like, 
doing a bunch of exploring around the area. He becomes the constable of Van Damien's land for some fucking reason. <laughs> like, he was in jail a bunch, and then they made him chief of police for a hot second. Uh, My favorite is when people are in jail for a little bit, and then, but that's, like, not a horrible consequence. Yeah. It's like, I went to jail. Who They're gives like, a fuck? whatever. Yeah, they're just like, this was a minor yeah. blip. Yeah. Uh, Jorgensen is pardoned by the British government in 1835, but he's like, fuck it. I'm chilling in Tasmania. I'm going to stay here. He then married an Irish convict and died. <laughs> because he married Classic. an Irish convict? Classic. Classic. No, he marries an Irish convict, Nora Corbett, in 1831, and then he dies on January 20th, 1841. So he had like 10 years of marriage, okay. but like... Okay. He's like, after after oh. the pardon, there's not really a lot of notable stuff. He kind of, like, calms down, writes, like, six fucking books, some of which are true, some of which are basically... Yeah, uh, classic. Like, Procopius. <laughs> Procopius the fuck up about his life. Um, and then just dies, like, ten years after his marriage. Um, but yeah, Iceland refers to Jorgen uh, as... I'm not I'm not gonna try to fucking pronounce how this looks because I'm I'm gonna send it to you guys. Yeah. Uh what they call Jorgen okay. Jorgensen. And you can both be like on Discord, yeah. And you're both gonna be like, yeah, no, no fucking way you're pronouncing that shit. Um uh, Jorinder. Oh my god. Jorinder Hunter. Yeah, there's like, so if you're many Dutch words. and I says I can something see. inappropriate. Uh, tell me about it. Fight. Yes. So Fight me in court. The, as as far as I can tell, it's Jorndurgder Hundadakagadkondurgder. We are getting very close to awakening the little Danish boys. Oh, no. Yeah, let's not do no, that. No, don't do um, it. But yeah, so Don't do it, this. it is literally translated to Jorgen the Dog Days King, a reference to like when Jorgen the Dog Days King. Yes. What an a uh, what a banger. So what a banger. What a banger. Um the dog days are not over for Jorgen. Um <laughs> But yeah, so it's basically like he was the protector of Iceland when Cirrus was around, like the the in the dog constellations. Yeah. We're in the sky, so they call him the Dog Days That's King. That's really cool. Steve will tell us how to pronounce that correctly. If I you can count so. on Steve yeah, for so one that is... thing, it's that he'll correct good pronunciation. our pronunciation. If you can count on him for another and... thing, it's just being a solid dude. It's being a good He's friend. He's just a great guy to be around. <laughs> if you guys ever get the chance to get a friend like Steve, I hope that you don't pass up that opportunity because he is just a peach. You know what? I love that we're saying this as I just look at my phone and see that I have a uh, notification that Steve sent me a meme on he Instagram about why Michael Caine and why Michael Caine and Tim Curry are the best additions to the Muppet cast, yes. and I have to agree with it. That's true. <laughs> I was having a I was having a conversation. So Steve decided to delete his Facebook, and so the only way that he keeps in touch is with Instagram and with. Like, he has Messenger, but that's because we play D&D and he wants to make sure that he can communicate. And he's like, I was talking to him about the memes that he'll send. And he's like, I try to tailor these to, like, what I think people's interests are. And I just equated that so much to, like, an AI learning how to make conversation. <laughs> Where he's just like, oh, that meme didn't hit. I'll try a different one. That's just okay, but like I can appreciate that because like Steve memes are perfectly they curated. Abs of fucking. They are guys. I will I reiterate: if you can find a friend like Steve, do it. Solid guy. Known him since high school. Ten, ten out, of ten. out of ten. So, anyways, I would assume that that's where your story ends. Yeah, with death, as, as most, most stories, stories do. With Steve <laughs> being the best friend ever, and because. Ugh. My my story ends on Steve the being the best. Yeah. As most stories do. 
Um, As most stories do. Yeah, because the podcast has come to, or because Zach's story has come to an end, so too must the podcast. Which means that... For now. For this week. Well, yeah. I mean, it's I'm not gonna like... St- I'm st- I, I still have the mic. I'm yeah, keeping Zach's it. Yeah, Zach's holding on to it. Like, I'm not going to have any momentum here. The days of <laughs> Zach interrupting so, me during my ending stick are over. Ah. Uh, yes. Well... Tonight, we thank you very much for joining us on our dumb as shit fun time that we have talking about dumb as shit people in history or spooky things or creepy things. It depends on our mood. But anyway, we appreciate you listening. Uh, And if you like listening to us, if you like listening to us, tell a friend that you also think would like listening to us. It is a really easy and really free way for us to continue doing this because well, the more support we get, the easy, the just, the better it is for us. The more we get recognized, and that's just makes our lives the so much better. And like makes doing this, the more the merrier. We really enjoy doing this, and we want as many people as possible to listen to it because we like the dumb things we have to say, and we hope you do too. Um, but if you do want to support us monetarily, we'd appreciate it. We do have a Patreon, uh, which is www.patreon.com slash triumvirate productions. You can support us on a $3, $5 or $10 level. Each one kind of having their own little bit of goodies, uh, equated to them. Uh, if you don't have money and you have already told all of your friends and they're sick of hearing about the three idiots that you listen to every Friday friends. or every other Friday, expand your social circle it's important Uh, but also you can head on over to uh spotify or apple Podcasts and give us a rating and review uh if new ratings and reviews pop up sometimes we like to read them on air because we appreciate hearing about what you have to say um and the other thing you do is follow us on our socials. You can find us on Facebook by looking the Triumvirate Productions up. You can also find us on Instagram at the underscore Triumvirate underscore Productions. And yeah, yeah, send us a message. Talk to us. Hang out with us. Enjoy the show. I don't know. We're just here I mean, to have fun. The, I, the enjoy the show is not an I, I don't know. Definitely enjoy the show. That's true. Definitely enjoy it. Like if you're not enjoying what it, like why are you still here? What are you doing? What are you even doing here? (laughs) Um, Okay, so with Zach's spiel coming to an end, uh, as it so often does, it leads directly into my thing, which is where I talk to you for a matter of seconds and do some corny bit about how I have notes or, you know, I have a thing to say or I'll go... Look over there. What's that? It's coming toward us so fast. It's... What the fuck, history? Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 